0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Is Auburn's performance in the transfer portal as bad as some fans are making it out to be? Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken mom, and I am freaking ready to rock and roll.
2: You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. We are joined today to talk all things Auburn, recruiting, and of course, transfer portal stuff, as well as we are joined by John Garcia Jr. He is the director of football recruiting for Sports Illustrated. And, of course, the Locked On Recruiting Insider. Always a pleasure to have you on the show, man. And so I I, I reached out to my audience. They're like, man, what do you guys want to hear from John? And the resounding response, uh, as well as a few of the names that we're going to sprinkle in here today, was would love to know John's thoughts, kind of the outside looking in of how Auburn is performing in the transfer portal compared to other schools, John.
0: Yeah, I, I think when you start to use the word compare, I think that's where the feelings sort of change. You know, okay. I think first of all, look, I mean, when you, and you're looking at transfer portal additions at transition coaching staff, you're going to see bigger numbers. It just kind of is what it is. So if you're comparing Auburn to Miami or Oregon or USC, you're going to see a, a more volume at those schools for, for the most part because they're rebuilding. They've got a totally new coaching staff yeah. and they're dealing with. Uh, plenty of departures, uh, as well as as trying to add talent to, to the roster. So I think in that regard, sure, Auburn is behind and much more conservative, I think that's the right word, um, in approaching the portal itself. But if you look at the end of the 2021 season and then filling needs thereafter, I think Auburn has at least positionally done a decent job. Obviously, you brought in two quarterbacks uh, and created – what is, I guess, still an ongoing quarterback battle, right? So sure, yeah. we're still trying to see what that looks like. And, and two of the three are, are guys from the portal, and the other one was a transfer as well. So I think in that regard, no matter how good or bad the quarterback play is, the entirety of the room at the forefront outside of Holden Garner is, is a portal product. So I think in that regard, you did create competition at, at a really big position of need at quarterback you tried to address it on the offensive line, and that's an ongoing process as, as we now look past the May 1st deadline. So I think that's still TBD on the offensive line. Uh, and then you hit on defense with, with certain prospects. Uh, I really love the DJ James pickup from Oregon. I think that helps solidify Auburn's secondary as, as one of the best in the SEC, which has really been the case consistently over the last few years. But yeah. maintaining that, obviously – important when when you're in the SEC West Um, so really for me the only big question marks is where are the pass rushers where are some of the front seven guys that I think can help Auburn you know going forward you know maybe there you could find a gripe or two but again overall I think Auburn has done a good job in the portal and and kind of an expected job relative to the positions that they were attacking you know I think O line and D line, or maybe where you you leave some room, uh, you know, for desire. Maybe wide receiver as well, but all of those are, are still TBD. Because as we're finding out, Zach, the portal is is kind of never ending at this point. There's still a lot of talent in there as we speak.
1: Well, I think that's why some modern fans are confused, or you know, they don't really know how to feel because you see, I mean, hundreds. I mean, heck, there may be over a thousand kids in the portal. I, it wouldn't shock me at all. And it's like Auburn's really kind of taking their time with this, but of course, you know we're we're in it. You know we're so like, is this happening everywhere, or is this just an Auburn thing?
0: You know, I think every staff is approaching the portal uh, differently. You know, I mean, like Kiffin by calling himself the king of the portal. You know, I mean that's that's obviously rare. Yeah, it's not something we're seeing uh, across the board. Usually, again, those bigger transfer markets are schools that are either transitioning from one coach to the other or totally trying to rebrand what they're doing on one side of the ball because while you want portal additions you also don't want to be portal dependent so i know college football fan bases are fluid and and it fluctuates every day emotionally but you don't want to be portal dependent either you still want to at your core be a school who is, is able to develop Uh, identified high school talent that you evaluated got committed and brought into your program and then developed for Saturdays and maybe Sundays uh, on top of it as well so I think there's a fine line there that a lot of schools are still trying to figure out and maybe Auburn is one of them I mean and conversely there are schools that like really don't touch the portal very often like Notre Dame is not really like all over the portal but they're still going to be a top 10 team that is going to contend this year I mean there's really no I guess correlation between we are hitting the portal very hard and we are contending, you know, Clemson's another, that's not going to hit the portal hard, right. but they're probably going to contend. You know, there's really, there's no one pure way to look at it. Ohio state not hitting the portal hard, but we'll contend, you know, and and then conversely schools are at you know, Nebraska added like 12 players, uh, including multiple quarterbacks, just like Auburn. Will Will sure. they contend? You know, I, I don't know about the correlations there. I think every, School is totally different. Uh, it's like the NFL, right? You're building for team needs through the NFL draft. So in high, in college, you're looking at the high school and junior college players as your foundation and the portal as more of a supplement than, than the main pipeline in terms of talent acquisition. So it's, it's a fine line, but it's still fluid. We're still only a
1: couple of years into this thing. Yeah, I, I could see Notre Dame being like, we're too good for the portal. We're not going to do that. <laughs> we're not going to do that. No, I, I think that's interesting. And just the dynamics of it all, you know, the the receiver, you know, Warsham that came to Auburn, like it's just wild to me that this is his third he's going into his third year of college football and he still has four years of eligibility. Like that is just an amazing thing that we would have never seen two or three seasons ago. And it's like this is like you know, I mean, you might as well have just gotten him out of out of high school. You you know, and so probably not an instant impact guy, but I think there's a ton of those. I think there's a ton of those throughout the transfer portal with these redshirt freshmen and redshirt sophomores that also have a COVID year. I mean, they've got ages, ages of eligibility left.
0: And that's really the hard thing. You know, we we see all these stories about schools that change coaching staffs and they're trying to get up to that 85 limit. That's not an issue in the SEC. Usually it's the opposite, right? In the SEC, it's like, we need to cut down to 85. How do we do this? Do we start processing players? We start cutting guys, encouraging them to hit the portal. Right. There's really no one method for it, but but yeah, the eligibility issues in in college football roster management are really hard to navigate. You know, in, in a lot of respects, the NFL is a little bit simpler with all of that. So uh, it's another thing that we're still on the forefront of because those those players who were playing in 2020 all got that year. So until we get to what the 2025 seasons <laughs> then finally all of those guys will be out and that that issue will no longer you know be here but uh, obviously that's a long way away
1: yeah that's that's forever i mean who knows what college football will be doing then all right there's a name in the transfer portal that auburn fans are very interested in we get john's thoughts on him in just a moment
2: it's kubota orange day Shop the years best selection of kubota tractors zero turn mowers and utility vehicles
1: Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. And if you want more recruiting talk, even after this episode with John Garcia, we talked on Saturday. Put up an, a special Saturday show. If you want even more, a lot of you guys missed that because it happened over the weekend. So circle back and check that out. All right, John, uh, an offensive tackle, which is a position of need. I think we all can agree on that for the Tigers. Spencer Lovell, he is an Arizona State offensive tackle. He has entered the portal. He is a grad transfer with two years of eligibility, massive frame, 6'7, 315. What do you know about this guy?
0: Well, I know he's got one of the greatest uh, roster photos. If you ever just go on Arizona state's roster, check out his photo. You'll get excited because he's an offensive lineman. That looks a little crazy. Uh, so that, so that's fun. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the frame, obviously a huge prospect and, He's got a tackle frame, but played a lot of guard at Arizona State. Actually, started some games last year uh, before um, they, they went over some roster transition as well. So, you know, that's an interesting player from a, a height and weight standpoint. He just hit the portal. Um, there is interest, or reported interest from Auburn, but there's interest from a lot of schools, right? There's not a whole lot of uh, kids that are players that size, I should say, that are available this late uh, in the into the off season. So. We'll see where he ends up uh, yeah. visiting. And that's always a telling factor. So if you're an Auburn fan, you're hoping he's not ready to make a commitment and he's going to take a, a considerable amount of visits. He did visit Cal over his first weekend as a, a portal free agent or whatever we want to call sure. it. Right. Um, but, but there's there's a dozen programs that are interested. You know, A lot of schools across the country uh, could use a big body uh, like that. So we'll see. Naturally, you know, he's a West Coast kid. He's from Colorado originally. Uh, so naturally, the Pac-12 schools probably feel better about their chances uh, on the front end. But like you said, Zach, he's a graduate transfer, multiple years of eligibility remaining. So this isn't a, a rental like some of these portal replacements have been where you're like, hey, it's May. You're, you're going to come here. You're going to play. And if you're off to the NFL, you'll be gone by November or December. This isn't a six-month, seven-month rental. This is a two-year potential, uh, you know, you know, impact player who has power 5 and Pac-12 experience to his name uh, with some positional flexibility on the offensive line. Who doesn't need that at any level uh, of football? So understandably, Auburn is interested, but so are many other schools. So we'll see who can be the the next school after Cal to host him uh, for a visit. Uh, Typically, Kids like this don't last very long. Right. Players like this don't last very long in the portal. So every visit here w- will be paramount in my mind, and at least from, from where I sit. But no doubt Auburn should be interested and, and fans should be excited that there is some tangible interest uh, from Auburn's end. So we'll see if they can get a visit.
1: Yeah, Spencer Lovell. So that is a name to look out for Auburn fans. All right, this next kid... I think is very interesting because it circles back to a conversation that you and I had either two or three weeks ago, John. But Roderick Robinson the second, he's a some places have him as a three-star, some places have him as a four-star running back out of San Diego. He put Auburn in his top six earlier this week. Auburn, Oregon, there's Cal again, um, Tennessee, <laughs> UCLA, and Arizona. So obviously he's from California, John. And so it's like, okay, it makes sense while there's you know a lot of Pac-12 folks, but some SEC in there. As well. But what is so interesting to me about this is a few weeks prior, he put out his top nine, and Auburn was not in his top nine, but they found a way into his top six. And you and I talked a few weeks ago about how Brian Harson and his staff they don't care if you know it seems like they're out of it. They're gonna keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing. To me, that's telling, right?
0: And and what changed was a visit. You know, you got to campaign for visits because otherwise, how's a kid going to know what your program has to sell beyond the top couple of schools in the country, right? So I think that was the biggest difference. You pair a visit with Cadillac Williams, and then you all of a sudden put all those things together. And then you look into it a little bit further and say, well, his family has roots in the state of Alabama. So they surely know uh, about Cadillac Williams. You know, the, the kid grew up uh in the south i think his dad's from birmingham he spent time in south carolina so okay. that you see some of that sec influence in his top six um but it's it's truly national right four pack 12 schools a couple of sec schools so the next step in terms of contending for auburn is another visit an official visit at this point point. and what's good about a kid with the top six is that when he takes his five officials He'll eliminate one school before he tells us he's eliminating that school because whichever school doesn't get to visit it is probably out uh, at that point. So, yeah, I think Oregon's going to be a factor here. I do think Auburn and Tennessee will each be factors in this race. And then you look at the style here, and I think that, that's where it gets interesting because this is not the smallest running back in the country. This is 6'1", 230 pounds. I mean, Robinson is a big physical downhill very much an sec big 10 type of back from an athletic profile standpoint so it makes you think that hey that albert and tennessee uh, icons on his top six graphic those look pretty tantalizing you know from from a profile perspective and then you throw in some family history in the south and you think hey you know there's a chance this kid uh, can really come back home so i do think that those things absolutely matter um in college football recruiting now i mentioned oregon earlier yeah. on purpose because he's he's a lincoln high school kid san diego and there's a Lincoln to Oregon pipeline that has been brewing. They signed a couple of kids from that school last year. And those kids have been openly campaigning uh, to bring him to Eugene. So you understand why of the Pac-12 schools, that's the one I have my eye on at this point, but um, you've got some time in between now and a final decision. He wants to commit in August. So those June officials, once he starts setting them, are going to be pretty big uh, for this, this potential verbal commitment. So same deal, Auburn fans. If you're in it now, if you want to stay in it, grab one of those five official visits. That will eliminate one of those other schools, and then you go from there to, to continue to contend. But I expect Auburn, Tennessee, and Oregon to be three of, of those that stick it in, uh, in in this race all the way through the end of
1: it. Is is Robinson a guy that's kind of put out what his timeline is or just kind of when he knows he'll do something about it? I think he'll take the
0: trips and, and, and make a decision before the season, which is very common uh, with, with a lot of these rising senior recruits. They want to commit in July or August and be done with recruiting so they could focus on winning a state title or putting their all into into their teammates for their last ride at the high school level. I thought I saw an August commitment date uh, in a report I was reading earlier from ON3, so I'll, I'll double check on that. But But typically these kids want to make decisions leading up to their senior year uh, for the most part, uh, and I think Robinson is one of those.
1: All right, we can't let John go without talking about an elite in state target that Auburn fans are excited about. We will touch on that in just a moment, but I want to tell you about our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online, they have put out the odds for really every uh, Power Five conference, the odds for each team to win their respective conference. Auburn is behind Arkansas. They are tied. No, they're tied with Arkansas. They're behind LSU. They're behind Ole Miss. I thought some of the odds were very, very interesting. We'll do a full show on that probably later this week. But you can check all of that out if you're feeling spicy at Bet Online. And of course, also the NBA playoffs are there. Major League Baseball is there. Esports is there. There's a ton of action happening at Bet Online. And it's the best place for you to get in to the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. John Garcia, our guest today. And the last guy I want to talk to you about today, John, is uh, Jaquavius Rusaw, a four-star edge up from Montgomery, goes to Carver, 6'2", 230. And, man, you know, you just look at his visits list. The kid's been everywhere. He put out his top 11 um, not too long ago. Auburn made the cut, but a ton of SEC schools did. Where is Auburn. Uh, as far as their standing with russso
0: they're right in the thick of this um i think you mentioned the top 11 so that always tells me hey this thing's got a ways to go and that's okay if you're <laughs> auburn you know i think if if you're on the other end of that if, if you're alabama if you're georgia you're like hey sooner the better because we're right at the front of this thing he just visited texas Am as well we feel good if he's ready to go right now If you're Auburn, you're like, yeah, he visited once. We need to see if he can come back to campus. Him and and James Smith are kind of tied at the hip, the other elite defensive lineman from Carver-Montgomery. Can you get another visit out of that duo in May or in June? Um, And and maybe you go from there. Um, But you don't want them to be lining up for commitment here very soon. But I don't think either will be done in the coming month. I think each of these elite pass rushers will take this into the season – possibly uh, for in-season official visits, which is kind of becoming a thing of the past because all these kids are taking spring and summer officials. But there's still something to be said for that in-game, in this case, Jordan-Hare official visit where you, you feel the fans in a big game like the Iron Bowl, like any of this SEC West game is a big game. Any game like that, I think, could resonate uh, for, for prospects that are in-state, you know. And, and I think with Rousseau, he's one that, like, when you talk to him, like the first time I talked to him, Zach, he wasn't one of these, well, yeah, I grew up a Bama fan, or I grew up an Auburn fan, and this is like a no-brainer. He's got family ties to both programs. I think he's got a little bit more Auburn than Bama when he get into the Rousseau family, so that okay. could be a good thing in the long in the long run, but like you mentioned, heavy list of contenders here, Georgia, Texas A&M, Florida, Bama, all going to be uh, very much in this race for, for the long stretch, uh, and then... They both got Alabama State there as well. So Auburn is not the most hyper-local school on the list, but uh, certainly if an HBCU school pulls either uh, of those two uh, Montgomery uh, natives, that would be a big deal. But certainly Auburn is going to stay in this race, and I would be surprised, Zach, if they didn't get at least one more visit before the, the list got cut again. And, and I think you're in good shape if, if you get another trip out of Quay uh, And out of the duo, I think saw is more likely to end up at Auburn than Smith, uh, as far as we can tell at this point.
1: So, when you look at, you know, you talk about the official visits, you know, on game day, is it that much different than unofficial visits on game day? Because surely he's been on an unofficial at some point in his high school career to Jordan Stadium, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, he has. Okay. He has, and, and and it is very different. You know, you you certainly get the same in-game experience so those three hours or four hours sometimes with the yeah. ssc broadcast <laughs> yeah if it's on cbs that, that, right right so th- that can feel very much the same but it's everything around it for an official visit your family's flown in or they won't fly in this case but right. maybe those auburn will send a nice car to pick up everybody uh you, your travel is accounted for your food is accounted for so you're not eating the kind of buffet style unofficial visit thing that like all these recruits get when there's 400 recruits on campus. No, this is very much a five-star dining experience every single day. And typically the Sunday of, of the game uh, game day visit weekends for officials, you're spending a lot of intimate time with the head coach. You're, you're getting a lot more on the person that Brian Harson is in this case, because, you know, the game was Saturday where obviously he's pretty focused on trying to get a W sure. But then after, after that, it certainly shifts towards recruiting. And Sunday mornings of official visit week is very critical in, in developing a lot of these relationships, not only with the player, but, again, with his family, who is, you know, put up in a nice hotel the whole nine yards. So it is a very different experience in general, but especially on game days because you get the business in and then you get kind of the personal side uh, before you wrap it up.
1: John Garcia, if you were a high-end recruit and you were on an official visit – what kind of car would you want to come pick you up?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, if I'm 45 minutes away, it depends how many family members I got with me. Probably an SUV, nice Tahoe. Okay, something comfortable for for everyone to ride up in. Um, but yeah, you know, all those things matter. You'd be surprised. I've seen they do the research coaches. on that, right? Yes, absolutely. This is look, this is the SEC. It's like the closest thing to the White House as it gets in recruiting, sure. right? I mean, yeah. it is presidential in nature. Every detail is is researched thoroughly and updated every year, but I, I've seen multiple coaches use like a Rolls Royce just in the last two weeks. I, I've seen Lane Kiffin do it. And I, I could have sworn someone else did it this past weekend uh, for, for a photo shoot. It might've been the Florida Gators with Billy Napier. So just in the SEC, I've seen two different coaching staffs utilize the Rolls Royce on a recruiting visit. I mean, this is the heavyweight, you know, division of recruiting and every little thing matters, in, including the make and model
1: sometimes. Do they, just, do they just rent the car for a day? What's that process like? Do you know? I'm not sure. I mean, it, it sure
0: seemed like, you know, on the Ole Miss one, it was a couple weeks ago, Lane Kiffin was driving around a transfer target in the Rolls Royce. It uh-huh. was an official visit, so it, it was totally legal. And the kid, you know, filmed Lane, of course, because that's how, how else would we find out about it. Uh-huh, right. uh, and then at Florida, it was a photo shoot. So that one was an unofficial visit, I think, I think the Rolls Royce was just in Gainesville. So I don't know how they required. acquired. Maybe the NIL collectives have something to do with it, but they're convenient. You know, Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma last summer did like a supercar spread in the middle of the field at, at Oklahoma where there was like 10 Lamborghinis and kids were taking pictures. I mean, the smallest, or not smallest, but the most non-football things matter oftentimes yeah. in recruiting because you're trying to create a perception and an atmosphere against what you know, the adults in, in the room are, are telling the kid as you drive or fly into the campus.
1: Yeah, it's fascinating. John Garcia, how can people find all of the the great things that you're writing um, all of the time for Sports Illustrated?
0: Yeah, real simple, si.com slash college or check us out on Twitter at John Garcia underscore JR.
1: Absolutely. That is John Garcia. Thank you so much. As always... And thank you so much for making Locked on Auburn your first listen every single day. We'll be back tomorrow right here on Locked on Auburn. See ya.
2: The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked on College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait.